Hello listeners, this is Trevor from the past, or the future. I don't know how time travel works, I'm very bad at it. Anyway, uh, me and Jeannie talked about this topic for a long time, so we decided to chop this thing up into parts. Is it going to be a two-parter? Is it going to be a four-parter? I don't know yet. I'll figure that out later. That's for future Trevor to figure out. Uh, in the meantime, um, we're going to uh, we're gonna pick the conversation back up here, and this is uh, us redoing it. So, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> that works. Uh, we were talking about uh, player <laughs> expectations on L5R and how sometimes those expectations are, well, failing, not getting what we expect pisses us off. It makes us angry. That's that's kind of human nature. And if we do not get what that we- is the tagline for L5R. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, <laughs> not getting what, getting we, what expect, we what pisses us off. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, we have to then look at our expectations and then see, okay, what ones are, are actually, like, okay? Which ones conflict? Which ones are, are feasible? And, you know, which ones are kind of kind of impossible? So um, we talked about a couple. We talked about uh, what is called balance. Um, and we called it, you know, we talked about uh, and what balance means. We talked about um being boxed out of options and we already talked about uh, randomness versus player skill as conflicting expectations so i think we can go on and talk about some other ones all right sure sure okay do it i'll start with it easy after two hours we got three topics down (laughs) (laughs) all right out of 17 all right so uh an easy pair of ones that we have is that we expect to be able to complete a game within an hour. If you had given us this uh, same set of expectations for uh, straight out of old AEG L5R, we would have said we expect to come out of a game in 30 minutes. Uh, FFG has done an admirable job of tempering our expectations so that we realize you can't you can't really expect every game to be less than 30 minutes. But usually yeah. we get... It's, it's, it's a weird situation. If you go to a tournament, actually, most games, by and large, actually do wrap up in like 20, 30 minutes. You can, if you, once the players know what's going on, uh, and they're just able to go through the situations very quickly and stuff, you can wrap the game up really quickly. The situation becomes when players... Uh, take a long time with it, and I'm not making it as a as a uh, um, a slam versus players. Sometimes, you know, when everything's running and stuff, your deck just works, and all the plays that you need to make are very simple. Even if you're on the losing end, it's very clear that the moves that you're trying to make are. Uh, sometimes you get into a situation where you and your opponent just need to stare at the board for five minutes and work out what's going on, and like it's you know preferable if you don't do it and some of the more impatient players uh spe- you have to respect the time you can't spend forever thinking about your move and Aww. stuff but some like <laughs> this game is very tactical and you have to work through it sometimes uh so what you see like in a large tournament is over half the matches are done i'd say at about the 30 minute mark and stuff the last uh, 30 minutes or so is waiting for those really intense games to wrap up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but we do have this expectation and people get pissed off if it takes too long. And a lot of people have, uh, 
mm. you know, have had to struggle with uh, game length for for this because they have expectation that the game will take less time than it has. So that's why I included it. We also have an expectation that we should be able to teach the game to a new player within three hours, within a, a shorter period of time, like like three hours or or, or less, because uh, that almost is a have to have expectation because you're not going to get a new player in there uh, that's going to spend six hours with you learning how to play this this game. Hmm. But uh, it... I would love to be able to teach a new player this game in thirty mi- or three hours. <laughs> I would love to. Boy, this game is complicated when you come in. It, it is very. Boy, complicated. it's complicated when you come. <laughs> and uh, and it, and and but we we do have expectations about how how long it's going to take because it's it's got to be reasonable and it does get uh kind of kind of crazy and kind of long so um. That's those are just expectations that we have that sometimes we don't get, and uh, most of the players that have left because of this expectation not being met have kind of already left already. But it, it's it's there. Yeah, I will say your point five of being able to teach a game a, a new player the game within three hours. That is one of the barriers of entry of getting new blood into the game, <laughs> and to have a healthy, thriving community, we need to be able to get it, more people in as painlessly as possible. So this is something that needs to be addressed. Uh, I'm kind of interested in the skirmish format <laughs> being used as a way to onboard new players, but it got launched along with a worldwide pandemic. So. <laughs> I really like the looks of skirmish. I haven't been able to play in skirmish, but I like the looks of it because I know that my energy starts to flag after too much time. So, you know, I like the idea of shorter formats. Um, I've played in a tournament with you, and I think it was we were getting like towards the hour market stuff, and I think you were like in a winning position, if you can believe it or not, and you're just like, you know what, I quit because I don't want to play this game anymore. Uh, Wow. <laughs> uh, so, so that's that's something that happens. Let's see. Um, we expect when we are playing L5R that our games would sort of kind of be able to tell a samurai story. That sort of kind of makes sense, or at least would be entertaining. We have that. Uh, that's been a selling point of L5R is it kind of tells a story in your in your playing, in your cards, and that story is different than. Uh, Arkham Horror. <laughs> I just saw their uh their mm-hmm. preview promo card for Arkham Horror today called Mixed Porpoises that I uh, at, at Cross Porpoises <laughs> and I I loved it. That was hilarious. So, uh, I do know this is one of the in- design intents for the original. FFG L5R game designers, and I know it was like one of Katrina Ostrander's uh big like influence points of there's a story going on there um you kind of get that mm-hmm. um there is if you're not f- familiar genie a player on jigoku named lord soju <laughs> who since the dawn of this game has role played every action he's taken <laughs> on jigoku in the chat window Excellent. and we love him <laughs> <laughs> but but that's that's just um, that that's feel that gives you the samurai game. Um, uh, uh, some of the things people were not happy with, and I think we're still kind of getting it, is the difference between 
having Brash Samurai and uh, Daidoji Chomai, or Doji Chomai as a, as a character. Just um, this whole changing to generic names rather than unique names. Uh, you know, people kind of weren't sure about that because it takes away a little bit of the way the story was being told in the cards. Uh, there's good reasons for it. I, I think that I understand why yeah. they did it, but that's, that's that's an expectation that people have. That kind yeah. of, you know, how does how do these cards tell a story that that can may need to be compromised to make generic characters, or maybe it it does tell a cool story. I know when you pull one off, it feels pretty good. Yeah, I know AEG was clearly running out of names there at a certain <laughs> point. <laughs> Who's that? Um, for a while. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if any every single person needs to be named and stuff. But that's also how the old game would create these like random legacy characters. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the name of that goblin that everybody loves? Pecco, <laughs> Pico, something like that. Um, yeah, you get these like tiny characters that everyone just loves, uh, and they would like. Especially like back when you can vote to have a character become a XP version or maybe just became very po popular so they got one themselves. Um, but I don't think that's like necessarily antithetical to tell a story. There's also situations of, hey, we've got this game and it's got like this, this lore around it. But the gameplay has to take priority. This is why, like, for Crane, for the Asahina family, the Asafina are the most strict pacifists ever. Mm -hmm. Yet, they don't all have dash military in the card game because that would be a completely unplayable faction, <laughs> mechanics-wise. <laughs> They're working on it. Like, the, the, the lore says, like, Kikita Yoshi cannot wield a katana, but I promise you I have won many games with an honored uh, Kikita Yoshi with two fine katanas <laughs> wrecking a place, yeah. you know? <laughs> Tell that story, guys. <laughs> right. So it's just, it's just something out there that, that might be an expectation that, you know, you or a listener might have that you haven't quite recognized or, or something like that. Let's see. Um, another expectation. Uh, we have an expectation, uh, some maybe more than others, that the game will evolve over time. So even if everything was perfect at one point, we also want it to change slowly with new cards and new dynamics, so on. So I'm not always playing the exact same deck for all mm. the time. We have that expectation. Uh, this is the albatross that Tyler and any future and past designers will always have to carry of making sure that every card for a clan, like if a crane card comes out, it has to feel like a crane card, but it also has to like fit in crane decks competitively, but also not break them and also like not deviate too far from what they are and stuff. And it's a nightmare, but that's all like on design. Absolutely, uh, and I do not envy that position at right. all. Right. So, but when you're making your expectations, so think how think how difficult that will be, and and mm. I, you you touched on another expectation there, which is that each clan will have a unique feel, not just in the colors and the pretty pictures on the cards, but also in the way that game evolves for that clan. We don't want a crane deck to feel exactly like a, a lion deck or feel exactly like a, a mm. unicorn deck. Even though lion and unicorn are both military clans, 
we kind of want them to feel differently from each other. Mm-hmm. That's that's the- now we've we, going back to the old game and this comparing it to this game. We've seen both situations happen. So right now, Tally's very openly talked about this, where he's kind of has to balance making new cards because it's very easy to just take a take a like a clearly good card and putting it into the best deck and making the best deck just plain better. Uh-huh. Um, the old game got around that because it was so synergy based. Like if I had a crane courtier deck, mm-hmm. like if you're not a crane courtier, uh, the way the Kate, the keywords keyed off of each other and stuff, very hard for me to, you know, put a Daidoji scout in. Unless that, like, it's a single scout who happens has a very, you know, like, unique uh, move by himself. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting, like, a whole suite of Daidoji in that deck to fill something out because it just doesn't mesh that way. The flip, the problem with that uh, the card game design is that the designers are basically pre-building decks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to a certain degree and you're not so much building it like once yeah technically you are building a deck but once you actually cut through all the chaff and like get towards where the design like wanted you to be you're actually more likely to just be in this pre-constructed dice uh, card pool that's like basically pre-made for you yeah but we also kind of have ideas that we want things to feel a little bit different as as well like you know, some clans would be lean towards more swarmy, and some clans would lean more towards mm. tower, and 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 mm. and other things. They just want them to feel like it. If if I want to be stomped, you know, three three provinces and a stronghold by turn two, military conquest. That's, that's, that's a pretty unicorn thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, but but. Maybe not exactly the same as as how the, the lion would do it. So just this mm-hmm. that means making a lot of different kinds of um, ways to roll, ways to ways to build decks and stuff uh, mechanically that that are different for the different clans. And we kind of expect that we 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 like our we like variety, and we like our clan not to feel like every mm. other clan too. Yeah, makes it hard. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 this is once again it's back on Tyler. It's a, it's a huge design issue, um, and it's kind of the nature of the game. Uh, but it's also, and it's like very hard to balance. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm a crane player. I like to duel and stuff. So every cycle, I want to see a new duel, and I want to see this duel that's effective. I want to see it as like cost unique. I want to see it as doing something different than all the other duels that I have. And I'll like, there's a certain point where I've got too many duels, so it's got to be like m- maybe not edge up my best option, but maybe not edge up my worst <laughs> option, and you know, like I. How many duels? How many ways can you like redefine the word duel? You know, at a certain point, I just need to shut up and like, like, hey, fucking <laughs> go play craft for a little bit. Jesus Christ! <laughs> right. Whereas you know, and uh, so right now, as I understand it, um, there's a lion honor deck that they can go and accumulate a large mm. amount of honor and hit twenty five. Wait, mm. that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't sure, that the green yeah. thing? We're supposed to sit around and wait for twenty five while you all bow in awe at our our gorgeousness. Mm. Uh, and no, that's that's not the crane thing. 
Yeah, it, it is. A, I, I think there's only a consternation for older players like us. Like, I don't know if, if you came into the FFG version of the game, you might not have that legacy of emotions <laughs> of like where certain win conditions are just like basically the identity of certain clans. You know, <laughs> if you want an honor victory, you're going to crane, except for the times when you didn't. And actually, back in the old days, in the AEG days, I would get very, as we're talking about, like we're talking about like things that are expectations and makes, mm -hmm. things will make us upset. Like, hey, a crane is supposed to be the best at making honor decks. Whenever there was a superior lion or phoenix for a big long time honor deck and stuff, I would get very, like, you know, kind of, you know, upset because like that's my thing <laughs> exactly and that's that's where i talk that's where it's like clans have feel and another expectation we have not necessarily a hundred percent of the people have and this actually is a pair of expectations that conflict is that some people strongly believe that there should be multiple paths to victory and all those paths should be equally or near equally viable. So there should be conquest, there should be honor, there should be dishonor. There even should be maybe enlightenment, though I don't think anybody... <laughs> I don't know if anybody uh, actually feels that that should be on par with the other two, but, but you know, that, that there should be mm. equal, multiple paths to victory, each, each that are viable. So that is one yeah. expectation that some groups have, okay? Uh, and that, that's always been an interesting line in both versions of the game, because in the old version of the game, like, yes, there are multiple victory options and stuff. But generally speaking, people think that, like, military was the default way to play the game because of all the clan, like of all the different clans and all the different factions within the clans and stuff most of them, like 8 out of 10 out of them, would be military. So military is like kind of the default one. So whenever an honor or a dishonor or enlightenment thing would kind of come out there, it always felt a little bit like it's cheating <laughs> or it's like it's a, a huge upset. Well, that's, the, um, that's, the, that's the countering expectation. So we believe L5R has always had multiple paths to victory. We believe there should be multiple mm. paths to victory. That was very strongly expressed when the game was carried over to FFG, that it had to have multiple paths of victory. And what's the point of putting in a path mm. to victory if nobody can accomplish it? So, yeah. so that's an expectation. But the counter expectation, which other people have, is that conquest will be the primary path to victory. And you, as a player, should not have to configure your deck around any other victory conditions. You know, you should be able to tune your deck for a conquest victory and be able to get conquest, conquest victory and not do anything about, and not have to do any particular tuning of your deck to get around these other victory conditions. I'm not saying the yeah. same people have both those expectations though sometimes you do end up people with both they just are kind of subconscious about it but yeah. some have one some have the other and they're conflicting i i hear you saying with the uh you know some people say it's like hey i should you know i should have a conquest game for this conquest game i shouldn't have to change my deck like those people who are like that obtuse about it i don't care about their opinions much at all um but you are hitting on something that is more of a 
consternation that does rise up in higher level play. And we talked about it recently. I can't remember if I was talking to Tyler or Nick about it, one of the <laughs> two. But there is a situation of, like, let's say there is a situation where um, there is a deck out there that's, like, very powerful. So you can put what is, like, a silver bullet in your deck and stuff. Like, let's say... Um, Honor tokens are a problem. So I'm going to play Ebisu's Blessing mm -hmm. or whatever the card was to get rid of all the honor tokens and stuff. I could do that. The problem, and this is where it like it starts hurting, is that card is dead in every other matchup. Right. And that makes us so unhappy. So I'm hurting. My... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the the back and forth. So it was like, hey, if I have this deck, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to lose against that one deck that I'm trying to, like, uh, meta against and stuff at the detriment of, like, making my all my other matchups weaker. Now, in a perfect world, all the other decks are making are playing this card as well because they also don't want to lose against that one. But what if, like, hey, Genie, you look at the field and you realize everybody hates deck X, so they're playing card Y to stop it. So what you're going to do, because you're a really smart cookie... You're going to not play that meta card and just kind of hope that all the other players playing that one takes that thing out of the uh out of the environment, mm -hmm. and then you're going to ride to victory by not playing that card. And that is where like the meta environment is supposed to be the thing that corrects mm -hmm. card choices like this. Uh, but that's a very bad situation. It's something that happens a lot. Uh, but that's not the way that we like to generally balance things of a card that's like useful in this one situation that I need and then worthless the rest of the time. So if I have a situation where I have Scorpion has a, you know, theoretically speaking, Scorpion has a solid um, Dishonor deck that if you don't put any mm. Dishonor meta in it, you are going to lose to that Dishonor deck. Okay? But all the Scorpions mm. play that deck. Okay. And Crane no. has a salt or, or lion, pick a deck. Crane will say. Crane mm -hmm. has an honor deck yeah. that will win by honor if you don't put any anti honor meta in there. All right? And everybody mm -hmm. else has a military deck. Okay? Has a conquest deck. Right? Mm -hmm. If you people will feel at that point you've got it so that in truth Military and honor and dishonor are actually balanced. Because mm. that honor and dishonor deck both had to put meta in them against military for sure, right? Yeah. So they put in meta against military and you should put in meta against honor and dishonor. Those, those are actually balance but people would hate that environment even though it's technically balanced because they don't want to have to put that honor or dishonor in mm. their decks to deal with those two clans because it weakens them against all the other mm. military clans so you end up this like i said these uh you know so we've got the conflict then between having multiple paths to victory that are viable and having conquest being the path to victory mm. that you don't have to uh, leave the path of conquest in order to deal with other paths of victory. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes into what your deck can naturally do and naturally combat and trying to find meta options that don't compromise your core. And also you as a player don't want a card out there that exists. It just says like, Oh, Hey, they played the, you know, genie loses now card. So I guess genie loses now, you know, no one like both sides of that equation is never fun. Um, so with honor, um, let's look at look back in the day. Uh, Lion used to be really good at uh, pushing military and honor at the same time. Um, so, and they were like kind of a natural enemy versus uh, dishonor decks in that regard. Because like as soon as you took away one of them, well, they always had the other one to fall back on. Versus Crane, which would be straight honor if you like got rid of their honor option and stuff or negated it, it'd be very bad. Or here's a perfect example of like, Silver bullets going too far. Mm -hmm. Dueling is really cool, right? Really scary. So what we're going to do at the start of Emperor Edition is we're going to create these clan duties. And each of these clan duties are dual action. One of them just does something that my deck likes to do and stuff. The other one is going to be a focus effect that just says, hey, if you put this as a focus effect, your opponent loses the duel. (laughs) Which, like, completely shattered the crane dueling archetype for the entire life those cards were in the the cycle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, those are just, like I said, not, not every expectation is reasonable. Uh, Not every expectation is reasonable, pure. It's more like, are you, what are you expecting here? And is that something that is possible or good for the game? You know, just, just, it's kind of like, trying to encourage people to reflect on it uh dueling is another one we have a lot of expectations in and a lot of bad feelings come up we have an expectation in the game that we will almost always have a chance to win a duel i don't know where it came from i think it's from the word duel or something else like that um when you say we, do you mean cranes no, no. or just no, people so that plays in general? If, anyone if, anyone if, who enters if, a duel should win a if duel. If my opponent puts down a duel, I think I mm-hmm. should have a chance to win it. That that okay. this is a this is a expectation that has been expressed a lot. You got to admit that. Mm. Like like it's mm. it would be a fair duel most of the time, more of the time, and because yeah. it's not close. Or it's not played when it's close. I feel bad because somehow Mm -hmm. that expectation snuck in there that I would be able to win a duel if someone put it down. Do I feel like I should win when played by uh, against a fate worse than death? No, I don't have the expectation that Mm -hmm. I would come out on the better side of a fate worse than death or any number of other cards Mm -hmm. that I don't like seeing played against me because they always are going to hurt. Um, I don't think I'm going to have, but on a duel, for some reason, this expectation is snuck in there that I have a chance at winning and I'm going to get pissed off because I have, uh, because I expected somehow to, to have a chance at winning and I know that I can't. And that's why people like, oh, now it's a bunch of fooling around with the honor dials for no reason and so on and Mm. so forth. Um, 
and that's that's a waste of time. This one's kind of our fault. Uh, yeah, but it's but yeah, of course the person no, who. Well, I mean, I mean, go ahead. I mean, I mean, it's our fault as crane players, <laughs> and this goes back to the early, the or first uh, beginning of the game, because you know, a duel is hypothetically, you know, in let's take away everything we else know about duel. A duel is supposed to be a small little mini game where both players make, you know, a small wager and try to predict the outcomes, and we'll we'll see where you know. If we win or lose that little mini duel and stuff, or little mini game, um, Crane automatically throw a wrench in that problem because duels are what Crane do better. So Crane thematically should be better at duels at winning. What does that mean? The game has never really been very good at answering that question. Should we? Because it's always. uh, ended up being, hey, there's a crane. It's not like they're better at duels. It's they're going to win the duel to the point where I was like, okay, they're going to win this duel so much that this is a whole archetype that no one else wants to engage in. And then design follows suit and does not make any real viable dueling options for anything that's not crane. And then it just becomes a thing that crane does. And it might as well just say like to the point where the mini game shouldn't even exist. Because all it becomes is like a way for Crane to s- score more points out of doing this thing that's completely one-sided. So probably a duel should probably at a certain point just say, "Hey, duel, just do an effect." <laughs> is your chi higher than your opponent's? Just do an effect. Well, see that you know it's sort of a tangent, I guess. But to talk about dueling, um, the expectation is there. We think we should win, and that's why people are pissed off about it. Because mm. they they can't and and if they never thought that they would win the duel, it it's like, okay, whatever, you, you wouldn't even think that. But um, they mm. didn't. They chose to make duels early on in FFG's dueling. They they made a decision, okay, um, and. Tyler once came on to Crane Chat and asked a bunch of questions and I asked him about this. And uh, and we got the answer. If duels were meant to be good, whether you win or lose, but in different ways, okay, then mm-hmm. you have to, as an opponent, guess what it is your opponent wants to do. What, what effect does... He want out of the duel, and mm. you can bid it accordingly. And there's a lot more motivation mm. to do close duels, right? Yeah. So if something good happens yeah. to the winner and something good happens to the loser of a duel, right? Then it mm. it works better as close duels, right? But yeah. um, when we when I so. The, the quintessential example of this is Kikita Kaizen. He's an awesome duel sure. for, for a close duel because if you win, it's great. If you lose, it's great. And maybe what you wanted to do was lose. I mean, that mm. that's how Kaizen's duel works, right? Um, so I asked, yeah. so we got that. And then very shortly after that, we got the duel for um, uh, Courtly Challenger. Is that what it's called? Courtly Challenger? Mm. The 
the little the, the one mini, that draws two huh? cards, yeah. The, the little that's the two coster that draws cards right. when it wins, yeah. Right. So that was a duel. That was the first real dueling set after Core, if I recall correctly, right? And yeah, I believe they all came out in the Children of Heaven. It was when duels got a really big shot now. Right. So, um. The thing was, when Court Lake Challenger came up, it was a duel that you could not afford to lose. And that was when I asked it. And mm. it's like, are cranes supposed to, are duels supposed to be something that are good whether you win or lose? Or are they supposed to be something that are good whether you win or lose? All right. Um, mm. And at that time, the answer we got was, crane are always supposed to want to win their duels. Which leads straight to bully dueling as the style of style of dueling. If it was good whether you win or lose, then it becomes the mind game, and there's the whole point of the mini game, right? And mm. uh, it still has a benefit in your deck because it's versatile, and you can use it for different situations. Yeah. But you're much more inclined to play those close duels that you could win or you could mm. use. Yeah, I'm gonna. I must encourage us to move on, only because <laughs> I'm sorry. I honestly feel no, 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 no. It's so this is like like dueling specifically. You're not wrong. This is like this is a consternation, and people have very strong opinions on it, and you know, to various degrees of you know. <laughs> how workable versus how impossible and how much like how thematic it is and stuff um and like we're saying like this is a problem that the game has been working on since its inception (laughs) in the original of the game and also in the rpg of the game right like duels and the crane's relationship to it um are an issue (laughs) because it's trying to, like I say, it's, it's something that, like, theoretically is going to, is supposed to be balanced, but the, the you, you know, the crane are supposed to be better at it. <laughs> and those are just, like, they're bumping heads to each on each other, you know? Well, well, the, the thing you're just talking about, like, <laughs> what's that? Sorry. Oh, were you saying something? Oh, I was just going to say, oh. we can move on. <laughs> I thought you said something. We can move on, because, yeah, we're okay. a crane. We can talk about tools all day, can't we? <laughs> I mean, literally, yeah, we could. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But no, like, point made, like, dueling is an issue. <laughs> well, yeah. Or at least we have expectations on it that maybe we need to examine and figure oh, yeah. out what, what it is. Let's see. More expectations. Yeah. Uh, here is a here is a good uh, unicorn lion mil clan, military clan um, expectation that a lot of them have, which is the game should conform around being proactive and acting rather than being reactive and responding. A lot of people have this sure. expectation. And that's a pretty standard one. You know, it goes versus like, you know, you're, if you have an offensive versus defensive play style, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, yeah, you shouldn't. Uh, it's one of the issues that um, in the old game, people didn't like where if your main th- 
if you think the game is mostly about conquest, mm-hmm. then you are spending each turn dividing, like, how many people do I want to attack versus how much people I want to defend. Um, if you're an honor deck, a crane honor rocket, like it used to be back in the day and stuff, that means, like, I'm only worrying about def- defending, and it's kind of a different game. And the military player isn't actually even playing the game any- the same game anymore. They're just playing against the clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, that's certainly what people have. Now... Theoretically speaking, in any kind of in, in games, being responsive and being proactive are equal, you know, in, in many games, mm. you know, but uh, we do have this expectation that being proactive is better uh, and, and the game should be more targeted towards that. So that's just an expectation mm. people have. I'm not I'm not weighing whether it's good or bad. It's one people have. Uh, yeah. A more modern criticism of that right now is, uh, and Tyler was talked about it when he came onto this podcast not too long ago, um, provinces, the inherent power of provinces um, makes it hard for them to be designed because if they're, they can only be so good um, and like already the ones to, to compete with the ones that are being played because a good province actively discourages you from attacking, which is like the entire point of the game. Mm-hmm. So making like the game should try to avoid situations where wanting to play <laughs> causes you to lose. You know what? I, uh, if I attack, I lose. And if I do nothing, I lose. And like, well, that's bad. <laughs> well, it you know is it is it good or bad? I'm I'm not saying I'm away. I'm just saying it's an expectation people have. So so yeah. maybe it needs to be thought of like, is it really? Is there a real problem with being proactive being worse than or better than being reactive? And in what ways? What makes it that just it it takes more analysis than just yeah. saying yeah. The, but the emotion comes. Just from you want to you want to play your stuff. You want to have your attack. You want attacking to be good. If your deck attacks, mm. you want attacking to be good. Yeah. Everybody should be attacking because that's what you know you're supposed to do in the game. And if the person yeah. is like, well, I don't want to attack. I want to sit over here and and do my own thing. We feel that that's wrong. We get angry about it, but we you know why. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to answer that question. It's more just a question. Yeah. You're referring more towards the the classic uh, turtle on a rocket thing that used to be in the game. Is it really in the game right now? Um, but yeah, that was because like the game, like those honor or dishonor games were so different, um, and also the game. Even in these situations now, we're talking about like, oh, I don't want to t- attack into feast or famine. I don't want to talk into, uh, attack into restoration or balance mm-hmm. and stuff. And it becomes like the question of like, well, what tools do I have to get around these things? And it becomes a very painful circle of either I have no options or my options are so good that it makes the original problem kind of like worthless to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a very like, Feels bad versus feels bad options, you know. Well, I'm thinking of thinking more of, middle ground all around. Yeah, I was more thinking about Scorpion decks right now, or at least the a little older mm. ones, right? You know, pre pre the City of the Open Hand um, change errata, but but some of those Scorpion yeah. ha- decks were very 
reactive. Um, so yeah. that is just Tyler said a few times on this podcast that it, that, that like the, one of the Scorpions' big themes is reacting to people, which happens to be it happens to resonate very strongly with the core way this game is played, <laughs> which is like, well, maybe they should stop being good at reacting to people because it's creating like a huge problem. Right, but you know, there's nothing wrong inherently in game system wise for the Scorpion to be a mm. reactive deck. Except our expectation yeah. that being proactive it should be better. So yeah. anyway, for 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 a more concrete way of like why that particular the, the scorpion specifically are a problem in that type of bit being reactive is because this game is all about like uh, investments and making wagers. Um, I buy a character for three and I put two fate on him and I'm going to anticipate he's going to be around for a certain amount of time. Maybe put some attachments on him. Same thing with my little characters, you know, and I'm going to make my attack. Like I'm going to wager. I can send two characters to attack and keep three of them for the, uh, uh, hold back for future attacks and defenses and stuff. Um, the scorpion by being like almost all reactive, by having such powerful actions in their hands means they're not playing that game. They're not investing and they get the option of like only investing what they want when they have to at the end, uh, investing the very minimum and stuff to stop me from what I'm doing and stuff. So they're always ahead because they're not playing a guessing game. Like I am, <laughs> they're just like, Oh, uh, you, ch what, what number did you, did you choose four? Okay. I choose three. Oh, did you choose five? Okay, I'll choose four. <laughs> they always have the privilege of choosing less, and the, 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 the mathematically that means they always win. <laughs> but they have, you know, they have other drawbacks. I know they've been strong, but I'm sure that they would contest that they have other drawbacks for for their play style, even when it is being reactive. So, uh, you know, if you I mean, don't have the, the answer the for what's coming. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> so the Scorpion player will say they have drawbacks. They have but... drawbacks. <laughs> uh, you know, they if they don't have the answers to what you're doing, then or you don't do what they expect, then they've got their then then they've got you know the wrong answers. You know, they can't yeah. change course. Um, yeah. it, it's just you, you you have just you have just now accidentally hit on something that a lot of people would say is a bad like we're going back to like what they we were talking about of like is this a chess or a poker game or you know what is the development of randomness um you know hope pinning my hopes of victory either for it's a whole game or for it's a round on the prayers like like well i hope that my opponent does not have this one card or maybe up to three cards that will just completely blow me up right now um and that's actually a core aspect of playing a game of whenever I make a decision, generally knowing what my opponent's cards can do and assuming my opponent has like all three copies in their hand of the card that I want to see the least and playing around that. And that's how you get into the mind game and the baiting of the game and stuff. But generally speaking, it's like it's always a poor philosophy. When you're trying to play the game, if you want to like play at a very well high level thing, just like, well, I'm going to go do this thing and hope my opponent doesn't happen. Sometimes you have to do the YOLO moment. Sometimes it's like, well, uh, and Max will do this all the time. And he'll say this out loud and stuff like, listen, here's my attack. 
Here it is. Either you have the card that I know is going to destroy me right now, or you don't. And that's going to deter this entire round. But this is my last move. <laughs> you know, well, YOLO. <laughs> it's just, you know, reactive isn't necessarily automatically better. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It is a different play style. It is not automatically better. You know, certainly it's not always going to win versus every other kind of deck. Uh, it depends on a lot of other kinds of factors. Um, we just have this mm. this proactive. A lot of people have this proactive bias. But moving on, let's see. Uh, we have a a uh, kind of a expectation that uh, that has is in L five R that there will be multiple tournaments a year. And those uh, tournaments should have a clear, mappable lines drawn from the tournament victory results to the storyline. And this has been in L5R since uh, AEG, and, and we still have it. And people get upset when they don't see it. Kind of. Um, this is like as it, it is a core aspect of L5R, and like even in fairness, as someone who's like story prizes, it's probably one of the more infamous things because of how badly it's been done mm -hmm. before too. So the normal terms we have, you know, it's co uh, coronavirus last year and probably most of this year and stuff. So that's one aspect. Um, but the, you know, the storyline of like. Arguably, the downfall, like the rise of old L5R was because of its unique approach to storyline prizes. Mm -hmm. Arguably, the downfall of old L5R <laughs> is because of the mishandling of their unique way of they doing story prizes. Mm -hmm. And FFG, since beginning this game, has been very clear that they're having a very controlled method to involving story prizes. Because they are terrified of falling into the same traps that AEG fell into. For a good reason. Right. Because there are people who are just like, I don't want story prizes because of how badly it can go. <laughs> this is doubly reverberated amongst, you should know, this is your crowd. The RPG people who are like, these card game playing people, most of them don't even know slash care about the story or making troll options are making vast sweeping choices to a story that I care deeply about. And they're just like, some of them can be bought off. Some of them are just like, you know, just mm -hmm. choosing a troll option because they think it's funny. Um, and like, the, the question is, is like, how do the, these control these options so they generate more good than negative feelings? You know? Exactly. So this is one of those expectations that might be desirable or it might be potentially undesirable depending on how how it's taken because of exactly what you say sometimes sometimes those lines aren't as strong as you you might might think um could they do more of this yes but it's got its now Jimmy, you're actually uh, at you're an expert in this particular field. How do you feel about the storyline prizes as they've happened so far? Um, in the FFG version of the game. I like the uh, multiple choice nature of the storyline prizes quite a bit. Mm. Uh, here are A, B, C, options A, B, C, and D. Choose one. Okay. Mm. I would like a lot more story prizes to be available 
Um, I am, I would be also very content to have smaller storyline prizes as well. You know, if I'm going to ask for more, I don't want them all to be, you know, shaking the universe kind of, kind of story prizes. (laughs) Um, but I would. We can't do a red wedding every Gen Con. Right. So, so FFG has because those are conflicting expectations, right? You know, if you hmm. you can have few story prizes that are big, or you can have lots of story prizes that are small, but you can't have lots of story prizes that are big because that's a really unreasonable expectation. Hmm. Uh, does that make sense? No. So I am happy oh, absolutely, with absolutely. a big tournament story prize per year like at worlds that has real shaking consequences i wish um the i wish it didn't quite feel like it was uh pre-planned but i'm i'm okay with that i i've i've seen the different ways the story could go it's 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 fine i would like Mm. there to be a couple more story prizes a year maybe three more story prizes a year that are very mm. small. Like um even 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 just um you know this village is going to to be destroyed. Is it gonna be ta- taken by the lion or the unicorn? Mm. This this unit yeah. is a battlefield, and it doesn't make any difference to the whole overall thing. It just is a nice note, or this this minor character. So you, so you don't I, Go ahead. As a as a, you don't mind storylines being just like mostly fluff and no real, you know, ramifications. I I I am fine with them being small fluff, with the expectation that, like I said, there's a big one. There's a there's a big one here. Uh, you know, once a year that that do the big things, I, but but little ones that are are small, especially if they can be kind of interesting, would be neat. Like, um, like a duel or a, uh, you know, who's uh, who's going first in the parade next Kikumatsuri or uh. Yeah, little yeah. little things real, or real kind of like you know it could be insert your name here <laughs> it doesn't really matter it's more of a recognition kind of thing yeah just where where it's where it's small because i think that mm. that brings a lot of energy to to the environment that uh it doesn't make that much difference but it's but people can say i did this and i think that's healthy yeah. for the game even if it doesn't make much waves that's all. A lot of people were very satisfied whenever they would win a card. They didn't care what the card was, but just like saying like that little byline on the side of the card that says like this card was chosen or was uh, as a result of a victory of like, you know, Gen Con 2007 or something mm-hmm. on the side that used to be there. Yeah. Or I will say. If, oh, well, oh, the the whole not quite. I don't like all the Ivory Kingdoms things, but, you know, uh a new uh, a new jade mine has been found who finds it uh, or, uh you know mm. a magic dingus has been you know a naramani has been discovered yeah you know, who who 
which clan finds it doesn't need a whole story story write up to me as long as everybody has an expectation of what that is gonna that's going to be does that make sense like it doesn't have to affect a card or anything but but the expectation has to be set ahead of time so people don't get their expectations up too high i get it i will say also for the bigger storyline prizes where you have the abc because that one was specifically the uh like what will tatori do Mm -hmm. from what was that before worlds Mm -hmm. gen con something last year um i like that one uh but like many like the writers will often come in there and they will promise us like hey this event that's happening in the story right now is based off of what the players have decided uh at tournaments and stuff it always felt kind of like i don't know the story feels kind of like it was going to go this way regardless (laughs) and they like that i believe them i believe uh mr latera i believe mr denton when they say like oh we've dramatically changed the story beat based off of what the players indicated they wanted from uh, story prizes Mm -hmm. and stuff um I would like to see when they do those ABC options, if they more clearly expand, not only just like what will happen, but what will not. Like Tutori's option was, am I going to go here and deal with like, am I going to go find the prince? Am I going to go confront Soju? Am I going to go confront um, the lion and reclaim my clan? Or am I going to go hide in a mountain because I'm a weirdo? <laughs> um, I would like, those are all like interesting choices. Like they're, they're, they're partially interesting choices, but like there's a way that you can foresee a writer writing any of those paths back to a core storyline that they wanted to tell you. Um, I would have liked to see like a, a part two of all those choices where they say like, okay, Tori's going to come here and do this, but because he was, he is here, like the lion clan is forever lost to him or he will never reclaim his title as Emerald champion because he did this, you know? Um, I, I, I get that, but you know, I think they're, they're finding my, their feet. I just, I, I think players would like, a, a bit more getting to say that they did a thing. So that's that. But that goes into some of our other expectations regarding tournaments, which is, you know, there's that expectation we talked about from uh, old 5R that cards should shape the card environment, which is uh, not really necessarily desirable. We talked about that. Um, we do have mm. every reasonable expectation, I think, that tournaments should be well organized. We expect them to be fair. We expect them to have good prizes, and that's not necessarily um, a universal expectation. But that's one we have. So, you know, is is that appropriate? Are we paying? I I think we are. But are we paying for? Um, mm. Are we paying for that? Are are we are we doing the things that would get that compared to everything, you know, other kinds of hmm. environments? So prizes are difficult, especially in L five R. I would say because like this is a, like we're talking specifically the LCG competitive tournament side. Mm-hmm. Uh, tournaments, you know, are one of the things that makes him so exciting is the prize at the end when all the prizes are kind of generic and you're just kind of winning tokens and just getting like kind of like whatever along the side. And like at the end of the day, everybody can get access to them for the most part. They're not quite as exciting. Also, 
I'm not saying I'd be perfect. Like, some people love... I, I personally do not care for the, you know, alternate design cards. I often mm-hmm. give them to my friends whenever I win them because I don't really care and stuff. Some people really like this. I'm not really poo-pooing on that one. I do know that L5R as a community does not like the idea of cash prizes. Like, right. they are violently against the idea of cash prizes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so just we we have expectations about tournaments and prizes. And one of the things that happens is that, you know, like in COVID, we don't necessarily even get them. But we have an expectation that L5R will mm. have tournaments going on. We We don't get mm. them. It makes us sad. There might be really good reasons for it, like COVID, but... But that's, yeah. you know, uh, that's that's an expectation we aren't aren't getting, and we have to, you know, talk ourselves into realizing, oh yeah, well we can't because it's COVID. But if it goes another year, uh, yeah. then we'd be unhappier. We also keep thinking that, um, you know, the storyline we want it to be interesting, and we want it to be thematic, and we want it to be logical, we want it to be fun, we want it to really read it through the cards in the game, and that might. Those expectations might conflict with, mm. you know, cards like what we said about people affecting the storyline. With that, maybe maybe yeah. those conflict with the the having a logical storyline. It also needs to move faster. <laughs> Actually, you're a you're a timeline expert. How long? How much time has passed since Satori stabbed the emperor? Since. T- since Satori, so Satori stabbed the emperor, emperor on the equivalent of September 11th of 1123. And uh, yeah. it is now the first week about of December. Give or take a little bit, but... Jeez. So, so yeah. <laughs> the, the timeline started um, in the f- first... Week of April is when her father's daughter mm. is on there. Technically, if you go backwards, really the very if you did timeline wise, not order of publication, the very first of L five R story that kind of kicks off this con- continuity is March first, and that's the dragon one. What? I don't want to pick on Tyler too much as he's not here. I'll have him back on here to defend his choices before and stuff. One of the reasons he's talked about uh, before about like wanting to hone in on the the story and like deal it out is because he's like, oh, it's a much bigger impact when hey, a story beat happens and then boom, here is a pack of cards that is about that story. And he was talking that specifically for the Crane Civil War of Hotaru versus Kuanin, that stupid, stupid man Kuanin. Um, Because there was a story beat that happened and there was a little bit of distribution issues and stuff, but like roughly around that time, uh, the pack with Hotaru versus Kuanin came out and had that like iconic art of them two facing off. It's been like several, it's like two, three years now in real world. (laughs) Hotaru is not even aware that her brother is upset with her. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) It's gone nowhere. I know it, but the stories are very well written individually. I really like sure, that. sure. Um, but as far as like moving the narrative forward, like, <laughs> but yeah. So the number of events is 
not does not necessarily translate. You can have a lot happen within a short period of time. You can. So I'm not worried so much about the length mm. of time in game, but it does seem that at least until just like December and the Yogos Curse, <laughs> um Mm -hmm. And some of the recent stories, things were going really achingly slowly. Now, some of it was set up. Right? Mm. I mean, they had to build their Rokugan before they could destroy it. They didn't start us in May, sure. in Mace Redena, like, um, like um, AEG started the storyline in, in the middle of the action, really. They, they just... Yeah. And then they went and backfilled. People just making things up <laughs> as they go. But uh so so there's that. I think um their decision to make generic named characters also denies us story beats and they've kind of not made flavor text a lot and those are you know cuz flavor text could also have advanced the story at mm. least given us you know, filled in more, but yeah, we. I, I have. I am very optimistic. I, I'm hopeful things things will will go on. Um, we have books which are nice, which we didn't necessarily have in the middle of all of it before. Yeah. How's how's the Crane Detective novel? It's wonderful. You must read it. It's so good. I, I live for I mean, high I'm, quality. I'm obviously snark. biased, but it's like I live for high quality. <laughs> I, I live for high quality crane snark, and it's high quality crane snark. It's mm. it's very good. I could read about. I'm up to date on my fictions, but my books have fallen behind. I I I read the first two. Of course, I read Robert Denton's Phoenix book. Uh, then I got like the first two chapters into the Unicorn book, and I haven't really dived into the novellas or the new novels yet. So I need to catch up. Mm, well, you know, because you're a crane player, I can say get that one out of order. It doesn't have and it ties to the main storyline. And and don't you really want mm. to see you know crane snarking at lion and unicorn and. Yeah. Imperials and everybody I mean, else. Yes, I do. But also, but whatever, whatever I want to see that, I just go over to the 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 uh, lion chat room and just start snarking on them on Facebook. Daitoji Shin is very expert at, at the whole uh, whole art of it. So I recommend going <laughs> forth and, and buying it. So. But that's way too uh, long. Fun, fun, <laughs> fun fact that might also be why I'm no longer allowed in the crab chat. <laughs> You keep getting in trouble. You gotta <laughs> keep your mouth shut, even though sometimes it's very, very difficult. <laughs> I'll say what I want. What are they gonna do? Duel me? <laughs> I keep my mouth shut, <laughs> and, and, and hence the perpetual problems of crates. <laughs> but we've been here too long, or for a long time, anyway. It's been very much a pleasure talking to you. I hope that this has not you too. sounded like me whining because it wasn't intended. It was actually just intended to be like the opposite just having people sit and think you know what do i expect what do i what do i want that's independent mm. of my feelings for my particular deck or my particular clan or faction how can i separate me and my current situation mm. from what i expect from the game and then analyzing those expectations for the game separately and then you you mm. might 
have lots of legitimate reasons to complain, but it's like trying to trying to separate yourself uh, from from it and seeing where it goes. If if this was another deck, if this was another faction, mm. and they were saying these complaints, would I agree yeah. with? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I agree. Um, it's a, it was a very healthy exercise to kind of go through, like, what are the consternations and the pain points that the community, like, has. Ver like, some of them are, like, universal. Like, me and you are older players. we got to remember, like, not everyone has... I, I don't think most people have played the old version <laughs> of the game at this point. I think it's l largely newer players. So, every time we bring some old points in, uh, they or they're kind of moot, except for the points where it's like, oh... Yeah, this is like we've seen this problem before. We've seen how these like this problem kind of like spreads out a little bit. Um, the, it's good to talk about these things and kind of like wrap our heads around there and pontificate and think of options. My only disappointment, uh, and not necessarily with us or thing, but like I think like the the bottom line is what can we do as fans to mitigate these things other than like rationalize our own expectations and emotions a lot of these things like if any of these things are problems they are problems for ffg to solve if they care to um and that's you know when they get like they have to decide which ones are issues worth dealing with or which ones are like well we're just going to not deal with this particular aspect because of like we believe it's like not you know, in line with the vast majority of players, knowing that like a certain amount of players are just going to be rejected mm -hmm. because they're not going to deal with well, I, I think the, any important particular aspects. I think the whole exercise is really intended for us to uh, confront ourselves. FFG will do what FFG does, and we can mm. say we can, you know, they 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 have to control their stuff, and they make them, and they they hear. They hear, hear our complaints often and loudly and served with much salt. Mm. Um, what we have to do is try and f realize that, you know, some of our complaints are, are um, not quite as simple as we think that they are. And, ha and the emotion in them mm. uh, is, is coloring them a bit the anger we get because because we're not yeah. quite getting what we we think we expect you know maybe we can figure out how to separate the emotion from it and and look at look at it because things like balance things like um uninteractive these are not mm. easy terms we kind of think oh that Everybody will think of it this term as the same way I do. You gotta get into the definition of these. Mm. What what is that really? What are you really, really, really asking FFG to to do? Not not related to cards. What what principle are is at the core of this concept that you have named balance? Mm. That you have named uh interactive or all of the other things we have? How do you dig in your head, how do you dig to that concept and and know what it is you actually want? And then once you know what it is actually want, is there any other things going on in the game that is a reason why maybe that's mm. not as easy to give you as you you think it is? Maybe it's an there's another group of mm. players out there with a different 
use case than you, <laughs> that for my career, um, that believes, you know, that needs something different that contradicts that. And now FFG is weighing the needs of two different player sets. Um, so it's it's more like a, a self-analysis when you start getting angry it's like what what did i expect here yeah. and was that expectation the, the, reasonable the, the, the grand summary of the last several hours that we've done is like hey why don't everyone just calm the hell down <laughs> I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say that i mean it just sit, things... sit down shut up play some card well, games <laughs> you might be happier if you if if you did or or you know take it take a breath and play it play a different deck or you mm. know from the other side and or or just you know think about it a different way um the number of times i've seen somebody seen a a deck go and everybody complain about it and then everybody go mm. eh, well that wasn't so bad i just wasn't ready for it yeah, I do hope everyone t will take from this discussion the idea of like, hey, just sit and think about like, if you're upset with some aspect of the game, think about like what part of it is really upsetting and like be more clear with what you think the solution to your consternation might be, because it might be actually something else or it might be a situation that you've kind of made a um, mountain out of a molehill about, you know, <laughs> Um Things of that nature. Because uh, the, the only productive data we can get from this is like FFG and they're going to do what they're going to do, you know. Uh, they're quite used to listening to our salt. You know who else used to listen to our salt all day? AEG. <laughs> and they sold us. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. That, they listen to our salt, but even if they listened to what you complained about right now, took it to heart, you wouldn't find out mm. they did anything about it for another year. And at that point, the situation would be entirely different anyway. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but I think that right. we've rambled on right. a very long time. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear right, my let's conclusions. Wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Uh, well, this is going to be an awkward uh, closings and shout outs because I want to give a, sh a shout out to our sister podcast, the Court Games RPG Podcast, starring you, Jeannie. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Yes, come uh, on over. You and Cover on with it. <laughs> To, to the, uh, like, objectively provable, more popular podcast. I think it has a lot more to do with uh, your podcast has a much more focused niche in the community because only it's you and The Last Province talking about story and lore stuff, uh, whereas me and Max kind of fight with all the other people talking about LCG content, and it's kind of a, a narrow pool to draw from. Yeah. So um, you guys do good work over there. Thank you. Uh, let's see. You can also check out our uh, actual play podcast, the Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune of Strife. Fortune of Strife, you are also on. <laughs> I am. What can I say? I, I'm an overachiever. It. It's well between um these podcasts, the court games, the actual plays, uh, the readings over at Table is Yours. Like me, you, and Max just kind of like keep showing up in the same circles. It's like that Harry Potter meme is like, how come it's always you three? <laughs> I'm definitely Hermione. I want to be, uh, be Rod Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Max is Voldemort, so we have a problem. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> 
Uh, you can also check out uh, YouTube of Tokyo the Five Rings, where we talk about Japanese uh, culture, history, and religion. You can find all these at uh, our website, www.courtgamespod.com. Uh, this is where I have Max do his game show voice to announce it a bunch of times, but he's not here. So, <laughs> you want to do it? Give, give your best game show I presenter have no voice. No game show Jeannie. presenter voice. I barely like managed to be coherent. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I said okay. Uh, Let's see. If you like uh, this podcast and the other podcasts that we can do, please check out our Patreon. It goes to fund all of our efforts here, as well as uh, the website and everything that goes on in the L5R Discord. Um, I believe this is it. Do you have any special shout-outs you want to give before we go away? No. Uh, I wanted to just shout-out for everyone who has ever played against me and been so so patient with me when I, I take five minutes to decide what I'm going to do in the card game. <laughs> I, I i promise you it was um early on i think it was the kiku matsuri me and you had played and i wasn't doing well i think i was also at like the bottom tables along with you so we got paired up and stuff um i'm pretty sure i had actually decked myself and was on a cruising course to dishonoring myself and you just got so flustered slash bored with the game you're just like I'm, I'm just gonna give up now because you're going to win and i don't know what's going on i'm just like you're winning right now <laughs> and you never even knew it <laughs> well actually I, I i knew it on one side but on the other side you had a oh. higher you had a higher record than me so I knew I was gonna not advance at all. So I thought thought it'd be better if I I let you go ahead too. So <laughs> get the pity wins from Genie. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I win my co-tighter. Well, <laughs> uh, and you're a crane player, so you know. <laughs> I think that was the the uh, the day one tournament. The day two tournament actually had a much better showing, and I fought against the guy in my in my seventh round who got paired up to play me uh raiga who would go on to win the entire gen con and i was always salty about that matchup because he like will admit like i was playing much better than him during the match but because it was like a single core environment i just pulled like four rounds of utter horse crap <laughs> It was like, um, you should have won by now because you're playing better, but <laughs> oh well. That's the way it goes. Anyway, it's always a pleasure I to am. talk to you, Trevor. <laughs> so thank you very much for inviting you me do. on your show. Uh, I guess. I will go on now and not finish the L5R map that you want me to finish for you. <laughs> yeah, I won the map. Please. Uh, you owe me updates. I'm busy. It's winter. Uh, anyway. I'm so tired. <laughs> May the fortunes favor you. This is Kakita Kaori. Have a good evening. <laughs> Sayonara, everyone. <laughs>